Is it a sin to be sad on this edition of Truth in Love? I'm Heath Lambert, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. One of the most common biblical commands is to be joyful or to rejoice. We understand that the scriptures teach us that as Christians, we are to be joyful people. But this raises an issue because in the context of a fallen world, we know that many people struggle with sadness, with sorrow. That is particularly relevant in our contemporary culture because so many people struggle with the diagnosis of depression. One of the most common psychiatric diagnoses is that of depression. And so we need to figure out what does this mean, this experience of depression, when we think about the biblical commands to be joyful in Christ. And so we've invited this week to join us on Truth and Love, Dr. Charlie Hodges. Dr. Hodges is an ACBC certified counselor, and he is a board certified medical doctor. And this week, Amy Evenson, the producer of Truth and Love, caught up with him to ask him some questions about this topic. I would love if you could answer for us, is depression an evidence of sin or sickness? Well, that's a complicated question for several reasons. And those reasons are found in the words depression, sin, and sickness. Because while depression is widely understood in our society today, it's not nearly as understood as well from the medical definition of what depression is. When you say, I'm depressed today, it doesn't mean what it meant 35 years ago. Before the 1980 revision of the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, you could not be diagnosed with major depression if you could tell me why you were sad. If you could tell me what happened to you or what you lost or the problem that you faced, then we would never have given you a diagnosis of major depression. We reserved the diagnosis of major depression for people who simply couldn't say why they were sad. Now, in 1980, when they changed those criteria, they took out cause as a reason for sadness. Cause meaning loss of loved one, loss of a job, or some significant loss in life. And they they removed that. Now, they did leave in an exception for widows. If you were widowed, they'd give you two months to get over it, more or less. You were supposed to adjust. And after, but after that, you could be diagnosed with depression as well. With the recent revision of the DSM to the fifth edition, they even removed the exception for widows. And what has happened as a result is that 90% of the diagnoses of depression today are really for what we would have called in the past normal sadness. Mm. You know, I'm sad because I lost this. It's become so important that I can remember reading one writer who said, no one says that they're sad anymore. Everyone says, I'm depressed. You know, it's yeah. become burned into our into our consciousness. So for, for most people, depression isn't a, a matter of sickness. It really is a matter of how we respond to the losses that we suffer in life. And as I've practiced medicine for the last 40 years, the vast majority of patients I've seen could tell me why they were sad and what they had lost. And as a biblical counselor for maybe the last 15, I can tell you that it's been much the same. Most individuals I counsel for depression can tell me the things that they've lost or suffered at the start of their sadness. Now, that does leave 10%. uh, And in 
my experience probably out of that 10%, maybe 5 to 7% will have a medical condition that has a complicating sad mood that goes along with it. And then that gets us down to about 3%, 3 to 5%. People who will, in counseling, tell me that they have no reason and can't understand why uh, they're sad. Sadness over loss is a normal response to life. Paul speaks of it in um, his second letter to the Corinthians. He says, For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. So sorrow in and of itself is is not a sin. It's a gift from God. But for that 3 to 5 percent, uh, they, you know, it's really very reasonable to say that they may have a medical problem, a medical illness that results in them being sad and for which you couldn't say that they had sinned in, in order to have it. I have to admit that we don't know the pathology that underlies it, the change in the cell level that causes it. We don't understand why those people uh, have sadness, and, and the medical research today doesn't explain it either very well. You know, sorrow in and of itself is not a sin. In fact, it's a gift from God. It's part of our normal creation, and it was meant by God to drive us to himself. So when we, when we face sorrow, when we face losses, or when we face sorrow for which there's no cause, we have a choice in the way that we're going to respond to that loss. We can choose to see it through the lens of Romans 8, 28 and 29, where Paul said that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And the purpose, of course, is that we be conformed to the image of his Son. So you can, you can look at your loss through that lens if you want to, or you can do like Joseph did in the Old Testament, where he, looking back across the whole of his life, which was, you know, by any definition today, a disaster area from point A to, to the time he uh, met his brothers in, in Egypt, and his response to all of it was, you meant it for evil, and God meant it for good. We can look at our losses and our sadness that way. Or we can choose to respond to our problem with sinful anger and worry and other, other responding and complicating sins. Things and people come into our lives at times and they make our hearts ache. At those times, we can choose to glorify God or we can choose to respond sinfully. So how can Christians tell the difference here between if their sadness or depression is a result of sin or sickness? Well, that's a really good question, and the answer to it is is that most of the time we actually can't. And the reason why you can't is because I can't get inside the head of the individual who's struggling, and I can't measure, there's no way for me to measure their, their motives. Now, I do think the most useful tool we have in trying to help people in this situation, though, is if we understand the difference between normal and disordered sadness. If you can get a grip on that, then we can be of great help to both people who are sad because of losses or sad just because they are. Normal sadness happens because of a loss. There'll be an identifiable time when it starts. It is the depth of that sadness will be consistent with whatever the loss was. You know, if you get a traffic ticket, you might cry a little bit, pay your fine and forget about it. If you lose a child, you may live the rest of your life mourning 
that loss. So the depth and the nature of the sadness goes right goes as appropriate to the loss. And then it will resolve when we either get back what we lost or it, when we come to grip with it, you know, when, we, when we decide how we're going to respond to it. That's normal sadness. Disordered sadness uh, comes without reason and stays uh, without any any good explanation as to why or when it's going to come or go. That's disordered sadness. Now, if you, can rec- you can recognize normal sadness in an individual by talking to them. They'll tell you. And in that case, in biblical counseling, we have just a gr- wealth of resources in the Scriptures to help people deal with the losses of life. We can show them in the Scriptures how they should respond and, and, and what and how, how God will use this in their life to his glory and to their benefit. So it's understanding the difference, I believe, between normal and disordered sadness. So how can Christians help people whose depression is physical? Well, we can help them in the same way we would help anyone who struggles with a physical ailment. We can help them the same way we help people who have high blood pressure or diabetes or have arthritis and can't get around people who have cancer. How do you help them? Well, I, I think one of the better uh, chapters in the Bible, it's, it's my favorite, is John chapter 11. If you want to know how to help people, go look at John chapter 11. Mm-hmm. And it's familiar to anyone who knows who's ever read the Bible. It, once you say the main character, who's Lazarus. And the whole storyline is about Lazarus's illness, his death, and then his resurrection. And there's a marvelous four-point sermon in it that, you know, I won't exegete completely here, but, but um, it, it, those four points are, tell us how we can help people who have chronic medical problems. And the first point is that Jesus knew. Jesus knew all about Lazarus's problem. Uh, he, he knew that Lazarus was sick. He knew that Lazarus was going to die. We also know that Jesus had a plan for it. And the reason why we know that was because when Martha and Mary sent the uh, messenger to tell them, you know, quick, Lord, come, you know, our brother is, is dying, he sat down and did nothing for a couple of days, waiting for Lazarus to die. And then we also know that he cared, because when he, when he did go and he, and he, he showed up and and Martha and Mary met him, and asking him that question about, you know, if, you know, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Modern translation: Where were you when we needed you? Um, we we know that when when Mary came out and collapsed at his feet, crying, and Jesus looked at Mary and Martha and the crowd crying. We know that Jesus wept; he cried which is really paradoxical when you think about it because Jesus knew what he was going to do, and in five minutes, Lazarus was going to be resurrected from the dead. And so you look at that and you go, well, why did he cry? Well, he cried because he cared about Martha and Mary and Lazarus and their suffering. It it affected him deeply. So he knew he had a plan and he cared, and then he did something about it. He acted. He, He raised Lazarus. He raised Lazarus from the dead. You know... It's good to know that there's a purpose in in all of the of the struggle. You know, at the end of it, Martha and Mary and Lazarus knew there was a reason. If you want to know the purpose, go read John 12. It it is it was said in John 12 that so many people believed in Jesus that not only did the rulers then want to kill Jesus, they wanted to kill Lazarus too. You know, it, it, Lazarus's death his and his resurrection glorified God and resulted in many people believing. 
believing in Christ. So John 11 is a great pattern for helping people as they struggle with uh, uh, the, the small number of people who have a medical illness struggle with depression. And the pattern is know something about their problem, get to know something about their problem, have a plan to help them, care about them, and then do something. Act. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. If you'd like more resources from Dr. Hodges, you can check out his book, Good Mood, Bad Mood. And if you'd like more information about ACBC, you can visit us at www.biblicalcounseling.com.